so I took a lot of time, read, and I don't like reading at all. PA school ruined that for me. But I read a lot of books um, and it really helped to just kind of see where other people are coming from. Um, I started connecting with other equestrians more just to see other stories that were similar to kind of what I've gone through and what, you know, the average adult amateur goes through. And that's really helped re kind of shift. Um, another thing that I do is I personally turn my like counts off on every post now. I, when they first published that feature, I wasn't as good about doing it. But now I personally have my whole feed. The like counts are off. I can't see your like counts. I can't see so-and-so's like counts. Um, and I turn off all the like counts, at least on my post, so that I don't contribute to that because I also struggled with the, oh my gosh, this picture only got this many likes and their picture got this many likes. So that's been another good thing. Hey, I'm Cassidy Brooke, a full-time equine photographer with a passion for helping other photographers create the life of their dreams. When I abruptly quit my corporate job without any idea of what I was going to do, I suddenly found myself picking up a $400 camera, downloading a free app on my iPad, and taking photos of any horse I could get in front of my camera. That little hobby sparked a six-figure business, which allows me to live life on my terms. Now, I'm here to help you grow your photography business so that you can make your wildest dreams your reality. This is the Equine Photography Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Equine Photography Podcast. I am so excited to have Sarah of Oxers 2 Oncology with me today. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I know. I can't wait to chat with you a little bit more and learn a little bit more about you. So why don't you just kind of briefly introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about like your adult job. So my name's Sarah, which you've already, you've already stated. Um, I have my two horses, Ocelot and Enzo, early thirties, adult amateur hunter equitation rider. And when I'm not at the barn all the time, I, I am a, a PA educator. So I'm the didactic director at a local PA program in Tennessee. And then I also still practice part-time as a physician assistant in the urgent care setting. Oh, wow. That's a pretty like intense job. Some days. Yes. <laughs> I guess that depends. What yeah. do you, did you go into it thinking you wanted to be an educator or were you thinking you were going to be in the actual field? Like, so I kind of always knew I wanted to go into PA education. Um, starting in PA school, I had a couple of faculty members that were really influential when I was in PA school. So I did PA school in Orlando, Florida. I went to Nova and I had two faculty members that were really, they, I mean, just amazing. Um, the ones published like a couple of textbooks. She's a rock star, um, smart, gorgeous, like all of it, the whole package and just kind of wanted to grow up to be like her. Um, but I'm also from a family of teachers and educators. So on my mom's side, my grandfather was a principal my aunt was the director of a math department in a middle school. My other aunt taught. My mom had a Montessori preschool, Montessori preschool and daycare. So I'm the only one in human medicine. Uh, so I kind of blended the two, I guess you could say. Yeah, it just kind of like naturally evolved for you to be an educator. Yeah. 
awesome. And it allows you to be able to go and do what you love most, right? Which is be with your horses and go to horse shows. Yes. So I started my um, PA career in surgical oncology. So I worked at the University of Tennessee um, doing surgical oncology right out of school in 2016. And it was great. I loved my patient population, loved the surgeons that I worked for. Um, I miss the nurses that I worked with terribly. I still talk to most of them. Um, however, the surgical realm was not very conducive for ponies. So I would get to work sometimes 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes would not leave until 5 o'clock at night. And we all know in the winters, it is dark by 5 o'clock at night. Um, so that made for quite the cranky Sarah. Uh, <laughs> and then that compounded with just the nature of what I was practicing surgical oncology. Um, I did lose patients not at no fault of anybody, just their disease states. So I think that compounded with not having enough time for my outlet did affect me as a human. Um, and luckily a cool thing about being a PA is you do have that laterality to switch specialties, switch what you do without having to go reset for a board exam. I didn't have to go back to school. I could just kind of like do a quick pivot and change what I did. Um, Luckily, starting in 2017, I started doing what's called PRN work. So just as needed work in the urgent care that I still work at um, because I didn't want to lose those more like primary care like skills, which ended up really coming in handy when I was when I was kind of coming at my time of which I wanted to get out of the surgical specialty. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you have found a way to make a job that can help support your, you know, horse habit work for you and work with, like, you still get to show a lot. You get to ride a lot and being able to pivot that career. I think that's really important because, you know, us horse girls, like that is what keeps us going. Like, what's the point in even working if you can't do the horse stuff, right? I would just be like homeless on the streets. I would, I was very, I'm very cranky when I don't get horse time. Very cranky. Like my husband literally kicks me out of the house and says, please go to the barn. Like, please, <laughs> please go, please. What a smart man. We're like basically toddlers who like throw a tantrum when we're like tired, but really it's just our lack of horse time. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get it when I am having like a bad day or like, I'm just like, Oh God, I don't feel like doing work right now. If I just go to the barn for like an hour or two, I come back and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is why I work hard. I remember now because I like want to pay for horse things. Mm-hmm. I love it. So accurate. So okay. accurate. So let's talk a little bit about now that we know like the Sarah adult, you know, non-horse girl, Sarah, you are essentially an equestrian influencer. I, am I correct in saying that? I guess you, you are. Um, <laughs> I still am in like semi-denial about it, but not, not because I'm upset about it, just because I didn't expect it to evolve this way. Okay. So that kind of leads into my question. I was going to say, how did you start your journey as an equestrian influencer? And like, did you set out thinking, oh, I want to have lots of followers on Instagram and work with different equestrian brands? Or did it just sort of like happen by accident? Um, Definitely happened by accident. I mean, of course I had those like, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool if my account turned into like yours or Taylor Botson or like Bethany Lee's account. Like, of course, like I had those like, oh my gosh, that'd be so cool if this happened. Um, but I really honestly and truly made my account because my personal Instagram was just basically horse spam and my non-horsey friends, like you could tell they just didn't want to see because I'd get like two likes or three likes because it was like the seventh picture of Ocelot for that week. 
And people are like, okay, we get it. The 30 year old is obsessed with her horse. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? So I really made it to have an outlet to post as much as I wanted about the horses without feeling like I was, quote, annoying my non horsey friends. Um, so that's why I made it. Did I think it was going to evolve into what it is today? Absolutely not. I did not think that this would happen at all, like 0%. I love that. But I, so, okay. I feel like part of the reason that you've been so successful is because of that, like it being unintentional and you, you are one of the like few influencers. I'm like using quotes because some of them maybe are not like technically influencers, but you are so relatable. And like, I feel like you haven't, you know, kind of like overdone it with every single post is just like here buy this product like you are I'm like oh she's just like a horse girl I feel like I'm hanging out at the barn it's like somebody I know well so I I feel like that like unintentionalness I don't know that that's a word of it has like really helped you succeed because people like feel like they know you and they know your horses and like you're just a very relatable equestrian That means really a lot um, because that was something as the account started to grow, I didn't want to get kind of lost in that as I got approached by more brands, it becoming more like sale and spammy, basically, Um, because I didn't want people to come to my page and be like, oh, she's just pushing this product or she's just pushing that product or she's pushing a product of something she doesn't even use. Um, So something that I've my like personal like rule, I guess you could say, is that I really don't work with brands of things that I wouldn't wear or buy or support if there wasn't like a partnership opportunity. Like it's stuff that I've used and I wear and I love and I bought. Like I usually try to buy something before doing a partnership because I want to make sure it's a product that I would, I feel like morally okay pushing and promoting. Um, but then at the same time, just having like real content, that's not an ad or anything like that. Yeah. And just talking about like, that's why we, we follow people, right? We want to connect with other human beings. We don't just want to feel like it's a billboard of sales for every single different, right. you know, piece of tack or riding apparel or whatever it may be. And I think that's something that, you know, even as a photographer who now I don't really like, I wouldn't say I post like influencer type stuff. I don't really post about myself anymore, yeah. but on my previous account that like, you know, got deleted, I would say that was more of like an influencer type account because it was mostly me. But I think that, you know, a lot of people, like if someone right now is listening to this and whether they're a photographer or just a you know, an adult amateur professional who wants to be an influencer. I think that's one of those things that is like the biggest key to success is not getting lost in just saying yes to every opportunity and saying yes to every brand, because you do lose your credibility at some point, you know, there's the, the person who grows their account. They do an amazing job because they're super relatable and, you know, like they have all this content that's just them. And then all of a sudden brands start approaching them and they say yes to every single brand because it is exciting. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're, when someone is like, Hey, I want to send you free stuff in the beginning, it's like, heck yes. Just, you want to say yes to everything. But I think that ultimately can kill your account and, you know, kill your engagement and ability to connect with your followers and even work with brands in the future. Because if you're, like you said, if you're promoting stuff that you don't like really care to own or wouldn't have bought on your own. It just feels really inauthentic. A hundred percent. I could not agree more. Yeah. So I feel like that is 
one of the like keys to success of being an influencer is making sure that you keep it authentic and stuff that you would like. So what is your favorite part about being an influencer? Oh, like one piece. <laughs> okay. You can um, name a few. I'll give you a few. This is, that's hard. Um, I guess my favorite part is getting messages from other adult amateurs or other like junior equestrians that are kind of like up and coming and getting messages saying, you know, I didn't think I could do X, Y, or Z, but I started following your account and I went out and I did, I showed in a new division or I moved up to the adults or I qualified for finals and following your account really is what like inspired me to think that I even could. Um, because I think it's hard sometimes with social media, especially for adults, especially adults that are getting either into it or rode casually when they were a junior and then got into it more as an adult. It's hard when you didn't have those like solid junior years, I think, for like brain imprintment and muscle memory to do this as an adult. It's just harder as an adult. So for them to know like, hey, you can start and not be super happy or not feel like you're super successful and end up doing successful things. So I think getting those messages is probably my favorite part. Um, and just it, in all different types of facets of people being like, oh, I never thought I could get a young horse and I saw you got Enzo and now I feel like I can get a young horse. My trainer and I looked and I'm really excited. Like those types of messages, I think, are a hundred percent my favorite part about, about running this account. I feel like we don't realize how much of an impact we can have on people through social media. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, whether you have 10 followers or a million followers, there's people that want to know your story and being like, Oh, I'm not alone. Somebody else has done what I wanted to do. Or, you know, even just talking about like fear while riding, like, oh, other people feel that way that, you know, that feeling of, oh, I'm not alone just connects people together so much. And I think it's so important that we do, you know, if you're comfortable sharing your story and the realities of being, you know, an equestrian and an adult amateur, there's a lot, you know, that goes into it. This is a very emotional support. So being able to connect with other people like that, I don't think we can like you know, we shouldn't act like it's not, not a big deal and that influencers aren't important because I truly do think there is such a need for someone to like you who, to have their voice in this community and tell people, you know, you're not alone. You can do these things. Look what I've done. I think that's so important. It's, it's been really cool. It's it's been neat. How long ago did you start your account? So I got Osla in 2018 and I moved up to the adults in 2019. So I think I started it like the summer of 2019. Sometime in 2019 is when I started it. Okay. So you've been going at it for a good amount of time and there's probably people that you've been like connecting with that whole time that you feel like you truly know because you've been talking to them for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. It's kind of wild. Like when I'll see people at horse shows, my trainer's like, have you ever met them in person? I'm like, no, this is like a million years. So I know they're like, she's like, you acted like you guys knew each other. I'm like, well, cause we kind of do. I know it's, it's so yeah. interesting to have talked to someone online for like years and then meeting them in person. And you're like, 
have I met you in person? Because like, I feel like I know you so well. So there's no way we haven't met in person. So I feel like we can, you know, social media has such a bad rep and stuff, but the truth is we can really make good friends and great relationships through it. A hundred. And so true. So true. What is your least favorite part about being an influencer? So I really didn't have a least favorite part, honestly, for me personally, as a overall, just like the negativity that was like before. But since I got Enzo, um, I've had a lot more kind of negative comments. Um, I've gotten a lot of somewhat, quote, the internet training of what you think I should be doing with him, what I should be doing what I shouldn't be doing. Um, And it has made me, and this, it kind of makes me a little bit sad. It's made me a little bit more selective of what I post about him. Um, Because I mean, he's like 17 too. When he was like just turning four, I was cantering two foot jumps. I promise you that horse was jumping more in his field (laughs) and (laughs) higher in his field than that two foot jump I was literally cantering over. But I would get, I, it's just, I got to experience firsthand what a lot of other people have been experiencing since they've started their accounts. Um, I think I was fortunate when I first started it, that Ocelot was my, you know, he's my one in a million. I've gotten to do so much because of him, but I got him as a 14 year old. So nobody, the window of opportunity to kind of roast me about what I did with a 14 year old is not really there. And any any mess up that I posted with Ocelot was 100% my fault. Like it's either I got too snug or I was too far away, or I was basically walking when I thought I was cantering. Like, so there was no opportunity for kind of trolling comments. But now that I've gotten Enzo, I experienced that right when I got him. Um, So the summer after I got him, he turned four and I kind of, people that followed me kind of noticed I kind of stopped posting any jumping content about him just because I was getting such a negative amount of opinions about jumping a young horse um and again he wasn't jumping more than two six and he's 17 two now um but that has to be my least favorite part because what people on the other side you like, it's easy when you're on the other side of the keyboard and you don't actually know somebody to make an opinion or make a statement without knowing the full story. Um, so like, I can't speak for anybody else's situation, but I can speak for mine. I, my trainer has brought along countless young horses, countless big young horses. Um, my barn is owned by a veterinarian and I have both of my horses evaluated by a veterinarian at least every three to four months. So my barn man, my barn owner, if trust me, we, I would know if what I was doing with my horse was not acceptable. She is great. She will, she will tell you, Hey, by the way, like I would maybe consider doing X, Y, or Z or talk to our vet before you keep doing that. I mean, they, we've brought along so many young horses. So what you don't, what some people don't realize on the other end of the keyboard is the team behind it. And that goes for everybody's situation. Like, so just the mean comments are kind of my my least favorite. Now I've gotten used to it, so I can kind of roll my eyes a little bit and keep on scrolling. But some people, it, it can really make them not want to use social media at all. 
And that's just so sad because you can get so much positive from it. And it's just, I don't like, I, that's my least favorite part. Yeah. How do you protect your mental health in the social media realm? Oh, so I started the account in 19 and this becomes important to answer this question. And then I went to NHS for the first time in 2020. And then I went back for a second time in 2021. In 2021, I was not in a great headspace. Um, I was comparing everything. I was super frustrated. Um, I would look at other people's accounts and go, why so like so-and-so just moved up and they've already gotten a champion ribbon. And I've been at this height for almost two years now. And I still, newsflash, it's 2023 and I still haven't gotten a champion ribbon at three foot. But like, I would just scroll and compare and be annoyed with myself and be frustrated with myself. So I took a break right before NHS in 2021 for about a month um, just to kind of like reset and reprogram. Um, So that led me to kind of do some like mindset work. I worked with a couple of mindset coaches and then I read um, Anne's book, the winning habits book and about like mindset stuff and fix versus like a more fluid mindset and not comparing and everybody's journey is different. So I've had to do like a lot of self growth to be as active as I am on social media without it affecting my mental health. So it wasn't an inherent, like I could just be on social media all the time and not struggle mentally from it. I had to like take a good look on the inside and be like, okay, like this is clearly affecting you. What can you do to run this account? Cause I enjoy running my account. I love running my account, um, but also protect my mental health at the same time. Um, because I was even struggling with comparison to like girls in my barn. Like I was like, I wish I could just ride like so-and-so and I would, I could never do what this girl did and I could never do what this person did. I mean, it was 2021 was a rough year. Um, so I took a lot of time read and I don't like reading at all. PA school ruined that for me, but I read a lot of books. Um, and it really helped to just kind of see where other people are coming from. Um, I started connecting with other equestrians more just to see other stories that were similar to kind of what I've gone through and what, you know, the average adult amateur goes through. And that's really helped re kind of shift. Um, Another thing that I do is I personally turn my like counts off on every post now at when they first published that feature, I wasn't as good about doing it. But now I personally have my whole feed, the like counts are off. I can't see your like counts. I can't see so-and-so's like counts. Um, And I turn off all the like counts, at least on my post so that I don't contribute to that because I also struggled with the, oh my gosh, this picture only got this many likes and their picture got this many likes. So that's been another good thing um, that's kind of helped me too is to just not focus on it. Yeah. I think that's an important topic because social media inherently does, I mean, it gives us FOMO and comparison and no matter what, whether you're just a writer or you're a business owner, photographer, you know, whatever you may be, it is really hard not to scroll through social media because you're just seeing everyone's freaking highlight reel, right? Like you're seeing 
everyone's winning rounds. You're not seeing them, you know, flipping over the jump and getting eliminated. You're seeing the best of, you know, their day or their week. So I think it's important that you're talking about how it did take work to be able to use social media in a healthy way. Because I think a lot of the time people see it as like, oh, it's affecting my mental health. Let me just like delete it altogether or not go on it altogether, or even just not post, but continue being on social media. And I think that you do miss out on a lot of the benefits. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like saying everyone needs to be on social media. If you're a photographer or a business owner, like, yes, I do think that it's very helpful for your business. (laughs) Yeah. I think you do need to be, but I think, you know, there are so many really good parts about social media. I've met so many of my close friends on social media. I've connected with so many people. My business is what it is because of social media. So there is work that you can do to use social media in a healthy way. And some, and I I kind of, you know, while you were talking and talking about comparing yourself, I was just thinking we all do that. But what we don't even realize is like, I, how many people are comparing themselves to you and wishing they rode like Sarah? you know, because you are an absolutely beautiful writer. You're so consistent. You, you know, your position, your equitation is just incredible. So it's so crazy because I'm sure people are hearing you say this and they're like, no, not Sarah. Like, how could she be comparing herself? She's an amazing writer. She's going to the A shows, you know, she has these nice horses. So I think that, and and I do the same thing. I compare myself to other photographers, no matter when I first started, I did it. And now I'm like six years in and I, I believe my business is quite successful and it's still, I can fall into the trap of if I'm scrolling and being like, Oh, well, this person got to go to do this crazy cool thing. And you know, Oh, they got to shoot with this person. So no matter how far along you are or how good of a writer or photographer or whatever you may be, there's always going to be, I mean, social media is set up for us to essentially compare ourselves to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. All the time. But, and then it's almost the reason why I, took the route of not just like deleting or not posting is because our sport, even if you're off of social media, our sport kind of sets us up for this too. Um, I guess if you're doing the jumpers, it's not so much, it's a little bit more cut and dry, like be fast and keep the jumps up. Um, again, my husband would love it if I was a jumper full-time because he finds it much more entertaining than the hunters and equitation. Um, (laughs) So, but the hunters and equitation, I mean, set you up for so much comparison. So while everybody's like, oh my, there are probably people listening going, why would you do that much work to just scroll on social media? I saw it as a, like a double benefit, right? So if I got used to and got mindset tools and kind of coping mechanism, that's not the right word, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, totally. To deal with social media that will help me horse showing because all of us know in the hunters, you could feel like you had the best round, but if the judge just likes the way that your horse goes or their horse goes over your horse, you're going to pin over them. Even if you both had great rounds. I mean, I've had it in a hack. I've had it happen to me in a hack. I've had Ocelot, little underdog. He doesn't move like your typical hunter, right? He's a little bit more old school, a little bit more like lanky, not super chunky, goes with his head a little lower. I've won hacks that way. And people with like the nice, fancy, chunky, crusty, warm bloods that are more like up and lifted are like, how in the heck did that thing just win that? But it's just a judge's preference, right? So if you can, if you can 
learn how to deal with something like social media, if you show the hunter's equitation and then even eventing, right? Because there's dressage component, which is not, you know, the cut and dry, keep the jumps up and go in the right time. It will help you mentally with that judgment and that comparison because we pay a lot of money for people to judge us too. (laughs) So I think it's helped in that sense too. So yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's, you know, I like I'm on my old account, I talked so much. I don't talk about it now, but just like how I had terrible anxiety and panic attacks. And, you know, I used to go to the emergency room all the time because I was a true hypochondriac and thought I was dying and working out, like going to the gym and lifting weights six days a week is truly what changed my life in every way. And something that might seem completely unrelated, like working out might seem completely unrelated to like having a successful photography business, but they're in everything we do, like how you're saying, you know, learning to overcome that fear of judgment and comparing yourself on social media helps so much with writing. I mean, I think in every way that we can help grow our minds and ourselves, whether it is, you know, overcoming that, you know, comparison mindset on social media or how I, you know, worked out and, made it, it it helped me so much with my photography business. Like we shouldn't just look at something and be like, Oh, nope, this is making me feel bad. I'm just going to walk away from it. There are ways that we can overcome it and it helps us in every facet of our life. So I think that's another really important point. What would you tell someone who wanted to start working with brands, maybe wanted to go down the influencer route, but let's say they just have like a few hundred followers and they've just kind of been posting, you know, random stuff. Like what would you tell someone who wanted to start on the path that you're on? So you've mentioned, we talked about this a little bit already is the number one thing is to just be authentic. Um, Brands and people that are current, your current followers and people that might look at your account, you can tell a hundred like easy peasy when it's not an authentic account, when it's something just trying to get big or just, you know, Um, so being authentic and being real, I think goes a really long way, especially as an adult amateur. Um, I don't post my fails and stuff like that to get followers and to get content. I do it so that people can see that other people go through these things. I mean, the trot jump, I was thrilled when Ocelot trotted the jump last week (laughs) in the derby because our last derby a year, over a year ago we tripped two out. And I mean, we like almost somersaulted over the, over the log. A photographer got the whole series of almost slipping over the log. And I post them. If you scroll back to last June, you can see them. Um, so, and he's safe and he's fine. And sure. I got a couple of comments. Like, how could you possibly continue on the course after that happened? I could, I can feel if my horse is sound, like he's good. Um, but post, within whatever you're comfortable with just being real and I think it's important being an influencer to not just post highlights um you have to post real content and full transparency is I still struggle with that with Enzo because he's a young horse so I a lot almost all almost all except for like his little porpoises of his like funny business is probably my fault Um, but I don't want the world to see it as his fault or to anybody misconstrue it as his fault. So I'm still getting my comfort level with him, but Ocelot, I'm pretty honest when something doesn't go right with him. Um, but just not 
having it just be this constant highlight reel and constantly professional photos, nothing. I mean, professional photos are great, but you have to have a balance, right? Because not everybody can afford a photo shoot every two months, um, nor do some people have time for a photo shoot every two months. So just being consistent as well um, and not just like using something or buying something because you think that brand will send you free stuff because you've bought something and posted a few things and it's, and just be patient. Like it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Like I've had this account since 2019. It's I've had it for probably about four years now. And it's just been like this slow organic. Like there are some times where I'm like, I guess this is it. I guess this is where we're at. And then something happens and you don't even know. And then don't waste your time trying to figure out the algorithm. Don't don't even waste don't waste your time trying to figure it out. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Because you read all these rules, right? If you don't shoot vertical and you shoot horizontal, and if there's a tag from another social media site on it, the reel's gonna flop. Nope, nope. I have a horizontal tagged from TikTok reel that got like an insane amount of views and engagement. So like don't waste your time. Like if you want to research, cause I'm never going to tell anybody that, you know, educating yourself is a bad thing, but if you want to do research just to be aware, that's great, but don't get so set on. I have to post it this time and I can only post this and I can't post that and blah, blah, blah. Like just post what you want to post. Yeah. I mean, I agree so much and I can't remember if it was, I, I did a few episodes yesterday that we recorded and I can't remember if I was talking about it then, but I feel like on social media, the posts that I work the hardest on that I'm like, oh my God, I timed the music perfectly. This is the most epic shots I've ever taken. This is going to get 20 million views for sure. It totally flops, gets like 500 views and three people like it. One of them is my grandma. And (laughs) then the posts that I take absolutely zero time, I just like type something sort of funny and relatable over like a random video gets like a million views. And I'm like, it just... You just don't know, you know, you just like post all the things. If you're excited about posting it, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you happy, freaking post it. Don't be like, oh no, it's 7.04 PM. I was supposed to put like put this up at 6.58. So I'm not going to post now because the truth is like the, you know, elusive algorithm. Like if you post something that's like really good, that people can relate to it, it, no matter what the algorithm's doing, no matter what time you post it it's going to get the views that it needs. It's going to get the likes and the shares. And even if it, if you post something and it makes one person's day better or one person's like, Oh, thank God. Other people like, you know, miss to the, you know, whatever to an oxer, like it just post the stuff, you know, overthinking it is the quickest way to not grow an account for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. So true. And then it takes the, like the fun out of it too if you overanalyze when to post and what to post, just post what makes you happy. A hundred percent. And I feel like with photographers, so many want to like make their grid look beautiful and aesthetic and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not posting because you're like, Oh, it's not that, you know, that's not going to fit. It's not going to, my grid isn't going to look beautiful. Then like the amount of people that are probably going and even seeing that your grid is aesthetically pleasing or whatever, if you post every other post is a certain thing, like that is just so unimportant. If you go to my account right now, it is like the least aesthetically pleasing. If you just look at it from like the actual, like, you know, main page. Yeah. My grid is not aesthetically pleasing at all. 
there is stuff that I'm sure there are photographers who it offends that I have like random texts and like, I don't have pretty covers for my reels, but like I've grown an account to over 50,000 followers in like a year and a half, two years since my last account got deleted because I just post, you know, I don't overthink it. I'm not trying to like look perfect or make every single post be perfect. Like just post the things. Right. All right. So you have done a lot of photo shoots, which I have to give you a shout out because you introduced me to Miranda Taylor, who is absolutely amazing. And I adore her. She's an amazing photographer. I got to do a shoot with her and I know you've done a lot of shoots with her. So what is like, what's been your favorite part? Not just with Miranda, but I just had to give her a little shout out because I just adore her. Um, She is so amazing. She's so fun to work with. And Mm -hmm. just like she made it, you know, even as a photographer, like I'm going to be completely honest. I hate being in photo shoots. I hate having my picture taken. Um, it's my least favorite thing is to be on that side of the camera. And she just made it like so much fun. And I it actually enjoyed it. I didn't hate having my picture That's taken. That's the best. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, she is so great. So I love her. But any photo shoot you've done, not just with Miranda, brand shoots and stuff. What's your favorite part about doing photo shoots? Oh. <sighs> Well, I mean, I love having pictures with the ponies. So that's always fun. I love having pictures with the horses. Um, I like going to different locations, different shoots, different ideas. Um, I've gotten to work with a couple different photographers now, which has just been fun to see different angles and different perspectives. Um, And I I like doing brand shoots for the purpose of people who are looking at the ads, looking at the reels, seeing that, you know, your average adult amateur can wear and do and be asked to do these types of things because people have told me they think I'm taller. I'm five, three, I'm not a tall human. Um, (laughs) so like, you don't have to be five eleven to go do these things. You can be a regular adult amateur with a career and still go out and do photo shoots and feel like you're a model and do all these fun things. And it's just a lot of fun. I think it's just, I just have a good time doing it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It is an experience to do a photo shoot. You know, it's like, it's not just another day. There's, there's so much to it. I mean, you've done quite a few photo shoots now, whether it's a brand shoot or just a personal shoot, how do you go about like preparing and planning for these photo shoots? Do you have like some crazy process or do you just kind of like show up and the photographer takes the pictures? I just kind of wing it, honestly. (laughs) Um, the first couple I tried to like really plan like down to a T like this is my outfit and this is how I'm going to do my hair and this is how my makeup's going to look and like because I'm a type I'm a type A and I'm an Enneagram 8-1 <laughs> so bad combo um for anybody who knows Enneagrams they're probably laughing really hard because it's so <laughs> accurate it's painful so what ended up happening when I tried to plan them down to like every single detail is like I would do my makeup and two of my eyelashes wouldn't cooperate or my makeup wouldn't look right or the outfit didn't look good. And I was so set on like, that is what I'm going to wear and that is what I'm going to do and that is what it's going to look like. That the first couple of photo shoots, I, it was a little bit more like I wasn't at, it wasn't as fun, right? Because I'm like, oh, well, this isn't right. And I was just not as kind of charismatic in the shoots. So then the pictures were beautiful like Miranda did a great job because she was my first couple of shoots 
but I just felt more rigid than I wanted to because there were like aspects that I didn't like um, from me planning, over planning. Whereas um, I just got back from Tryon and I had quite a few shoots at Tryon at a horse show. And I was just like, you know, I'm at a horse show. Taylor, does, does my face look okay? Like, is this all good? Do you want me to put on more makeup? Do you want me to put on more BB cream? She's like, no, it's good. I'm like, is my hair good? No, it looks good. And just kind of went and it was so much fun. And I feel like more authentic because it wasn't like staged and prepped and like hair and makeup. Like it's relatable. Like it's not as and there are some shoots where you do need more hair and more makeup, but that's, I think, the cool thing about doing photo shoots as a horse girl is you don't really need to be that dolled up unless it's a shoot that you're, like, planning it. Um, so I tried it. I tried planning down to every detail. It backfired. So, yeah, just kind of have been winging it. I mean, I'll make sure, like, the outfits and stuff that if it's a brand shoot, I have those and all that kind of stuff. Um, the biggest thing is undergarments. <laughs> Make sure to plan your undergarments appropriately for horse girl photo shoots. That is actually an understated um, role that is very important because having like the wrong bra on or, you know, if like you're wearing like tights and you don't have a thong or something like mm -hmm. there is a, a true importance to having the right undergarments <laughs> for a photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Learn that the hard, hard way. A hundred percent. I totally get it. That's actually something that I've kind of learned from the other side as a photographer, depending on like what brand shoot I'm going to do. If I have like a white show shirt that's barely see-through, I'll be like, hey, make sure you're wearing like a neutral colored bra and maybe bring like a cami just in case, because that is something that I've had to learn the hard way and had someone with a bright and patterned bra and then being like oh I have a white shirt for you that is not going to cover that up and then you know you learn um photoshop and you figure out how to make it work but it does make it less fun so yes I'd say undergarments are very important I should probably put that in like my session guide for people when I like send out my welcome guide that hey make sure that your undergarments are appropriate <laughs> yeah yeah because that was something uh, these last shoots I was like you know or if you're like gonna show and then do a shoot like make sure to have like backup yeah absolutely Especially in the summer I was gonna say when you're like dying and dripping yeah. sweat yeah, yeah I totally get that yeah if if someone right now as a photographer was like oh I would love to like work with an influencer to kind of help like you know get my name out there work with more brands how do you think that someone could start work as a photographer start working with someone like yourself to do photo shoots so I would say the majority of us adult amateur influencers are pr pretty approachable um on social media um so I think just like organically engaging with somebody and then messaging or reaching out and saying, hey, I really like your content. I really like your message. Would you be open to doing a shoot for X? I really want to have like X, Y, or Z in my portfolio. Would you be interested in setting something up? I say the engaging organically because um, I think we've all had it when like somebody doesn't follow us or doesn't like our stuff and then all of a sudden they're in your dms and you're like wait is this a real person or am i about to end up on an episode of criminal minds like <laughs> i mean I, that's where my brain goes i'm not sure about everybody else but that's where my brain goes 
So I'm like, ah, and then I do like the deep dive of like, what's their page look like? How many people that I follow, follow them. It just kind of like sketch, not anything against them as a person. It's just social media. We all kind of have to be a little bit careful these days. You know what I mean? So absolutely, you kind of, it's kind of unsettling when it's like crickets and then all of a sudden, Hey, I want to work with you. So just, I would just say, follow them, like engage with them a little bit maybe comment on a few things. So we know you're like a real human. Yeah. And then, I mean, most of us are literally thrilled to have pictures with our horses. So it's not like it's really difficult of a sell. (laughs) Like, I think most of us, you can just say, Hey, I'd love to shoot this brand with you and your horse. And most of us are going to jump up and down and be like, of course, that sounds like a great time. Um, So I would just, just organically, I think most of us are more approachable than maybe some people think. Um, So that would be my answer. Yeah. I feel like that is so important, the like building the relationship and like, make sure you are following that person. Like for the love of God, when they go to your profile, it better say follow back. If you're, you know, I see this so much with the social media accounts that I run and with free ride, I do all of like the sponsored athlete stuff. And I can't tell you how many DMS that we get from someone who has very few followers, hasn't posted in a year, does not follow the free ride account, doesn't have a single thing. And they just message and be like, Hey, do you want to collaborate? And it's like, you don't even follow us. Why would we then like what you have to think of it from the perspective of like, and in any, whether you're the photographer reaching out to the influencer, influencer, reaching out to photographer, influencer, reaching out to a brand, you have to think about like what you can do for them and how you can, like you said, build that like authentic relationship. So, you know, if you're an influencer and you want to work with a brand, same thing, you know, like following that brand, commenting on their stuff. like you know interacting with them and not in like a oh hey I'd love to collaborate with you oh hey do you want to send me stuff on every post but just being like genuine and and helping support them that's going to go so much further than even you know we've even had people that have like hundreds of thousands of followers that'll dm who don't follow the account don't have anything you know that makes me think they would be a great fit who are like hey do you want to collaborate and it's like even if you have a ton of followers that's not important I would rather someone who has 5,000 followers, but who is constantly interacting with the brand and, you know, is going to like, truly, I feel like do a good job promoting it. I would say yes to them a hundred times over the person, no matter how many followers they have. So whichever side of that you're on building the relationship is just so important. Don't just like come out of nowhere. (laughs) That is so important, especially for the influencer side back. Cause I see that so often, like I've not bought any of your stuff. I don't, Maybe I followed you and liked one picture. Can we work together? Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's just not how it works. And I think what people don't realize is like brands are getting tons of those sort of messages on a daily basis, emails. And if you're not approaching with it, approaching it with the mentality of here's how I can help you. Here's how I can provide you a huge value. You are I'd say 99% guaranteed to not want that brand, not get that brand to work with you. I think that's, you know, nobody, you can't come at it with the relationship of, oh, do stuff for me, do stuff for me. It has Mm -hmm. to be, here's what I can do for you in order to get that relationship to work. So So since, 
since you have been on the other side of the camera a lot, of course, this is the equine photography podcast. So primarily photographers listening. So from like a client perspective, you've obviously done multiple photo shoots with different photographers. What do you wish that like photographers knew about being on the other side of the camera that you feel like could help them like either put their clients at ease or make it make photo shoots more fun? Like what's something photographers could be doing to you know, better the experience from a client perspective? I think, I think it depends on your client, right? I think just reading your client, like if you have a client that's like super like rigid and doesn't really know how to turn, just kind of picking up on that and just being like, okay, just act natural. Like maybe that client that is like super tense and you tell them like, hey, turn this way and turn your chin this way and do this this way and put your hand here they get kind of like robotic and maybe let them have a minute of being like, okay, like, why don't you just like move and turn and act natural? And then we'll see where we're at. Um, Because I have had, I think the, and this might just be from doing like more shoots. um, The more, the less kind of like down to a T staging direction I get, I think the more natural things turn out I know there are some shots that you have to be like okay your hand up here and here but I think sometimes especially with somebody who's too nervous you could kind of like stage them to a fault almost um so I think just like really reading your client and I think that's hard when you're like because I mean I can't watch a course while I'm videoing (laughs) so take this with a grain of salt I understand this is probably harder than it sound than it might sound but just like picking up on like the vibe of your client while you're kind of like shooting just to kind and like being able to pivot. Like you might have just like, I might have a set plan that day for my horse and what I want to do, but if they're not acting the way that I intended when this started, just being able to pivot and be like, okay, the direction that I normally give is not working how can we like quick pivot because we're all kind of perfectionists I feel like you kind of have to be to be a horse girl so it's hard to pivot because you're like I want the picture to look this way and I want the horse to be this way but for the sake of your client having fun maybe maybe just read just read the room that's all yeah yeah I think we are so much at the mercy of the horse but Also Mm -hmm. the mercy of that person, because there are people who are going to be extremely photogenic and charismatic and comfortable in front of the camera. And then there's going to be the people. And I myself am this type of person who is just like, I am not comfortable in front of the camera. So it, you know, being able to like, like you said, pick up on the vibe of that client and then going with the flow and not feeling because I'm the same way. I am very type A personality and I like to have a plan, but I've learned through lots of photo shoots that what works at one photo shoot is oftentimes not going to work at the fo- a photo shoot. Even if it's like you did one in the morning and you have one in the afternoon, what worked at that photo shoot in the morning very likely isn't going to work at that photo shoot in the evening because depending on the horse and the comfort level of the person and just, you know, we're outside with a thousand plus pound animal who, you know, is scared of bags. Like it's unpredictable. You know, we have to just be able to go with the flow. And, you know, like you said, it it is really important that the client has a good time and a good experience. And I, I do believe that is so much that falls on the photographer's shoulders. I think that is part of our job is to make sure your client feels at ease and has a good experience. Because even if the pictures came back 
like amazingly beautiful, but the entire time you were like, God, I felt like the photographer was mad at me or like she was annoyed or whatever. They're probably not going to book you again because, but on the flip side, even if maybe things weren't going perfectly and maybe, you know, some hairs are out of place in the photo shoot and the horse wasn't standing perfectly square, but if the person had an amazing evening with their photographer and just like felt like they made a new friend, they're very likely to book you again Mm -hmm. because they connected with you as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is so true. Ocelot's probably, I think, one of the hardest horses because he's got his, like, ears out to the side and, like, everything. He is very unamused to put his ears up. He's like, action shots only, please. I would rather. (laughs) And then you've got Enzo, who's like, oh my gosh, what do you have? My ears are really big. Do you want to see them? So, like, I just have, like, two ends of the spectrum and those are just my two. So, I can't imagine. And like Ocelot, sometimes I've we've got to be like, okay, we've got 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Like we did one shoot and I was so floored. Miranda and I did a brand shoot and Ocelot was game for that shoot for like an hour and a half, which is wow. unreal for him. But he had like probably an hour of the shoot where it did not matter what direction his ears were facing. So that helped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of what I love so much about, you know, I'd say probably like 90% of what I do is working with brands. Mm -hmm. And I love, even when you were talking about the shoots you just did at the horse show and like your hair doesn't have to be perfect. You can throw a helmet on. It's okay. If there's a little dirt on you, because like we're trying to portray like, Hey, look, this is a real horse girl, horse girl wearing real horse girl stuff. And you know, when you're riding for that photo or video, it doesn't matter if the horse's ears are perfectly forward the whole time. Like it's the real life of it. And so I think that is one of my favorite parts about brand shoots is it can be a little more real life versus like the senior pictures or the portraits when the horse like, you know, needs to be standing square and have his ears forward. Because the reality is there are plenty of horses like Ocelot who it's really hard to get their ears forward. And you might have that 10 minute time frame with their ears forward. Yep. Really hard. I think is the understatement of the century for getting Ocelot's ears forward. If you're not cantering up to a jump. or or giving him a treat (laughs) yeah two things that he likes to do those are the only things getting his ears forward pretty much amazing well Sarah it's been so much fun I just have one more question for you and you can pick just one but if you can't we'll we'll do two what's like your all-time favorite photo shoot that you've done so far oh this is hard Mm, this is a very hard one. All-time favorite photo shoot. I would say, I think my, and this is going to be like very adult amateur of me. Um, I would say probably my favorite photo shoot to date, and there's a couple reasons why, would be Taylor and I just did a, at Tryon, a photo shoot for EQL. Um, So Carrot's like clothing line. So one reason why it wins is I got to have a glass of wine while I did the pictures. (laughs) So reason one. Reason two, it was my first shoot that was primarily not with a horse. And I was actually a little bit nervous about it because you could be like, oh, look at this pretty horse. So it was different for it to be like primarily on me. So that was really fun too. And then we did get pictures with Enzo at the end. 
Um, again, Enzo was selected because he is much easier to get his ears forward for such staging. Um, but it was really fun to do more of like a fashion-y type of photo shoot. Um, but really the wine, the wine is really what put it over the top. So maybe we should ask photographers, take that as like a hint that we ask the client, assuming they are of age, Hey, what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? And then we start the photo shoot with that, you know, because maybe that relaxes everyone and just gives them, you know, we might get the best pictures out of someone if they can have a glass of their favorite wine or their favorite alcoholic beverage. I mean, it's not for an adult amateur, really not a bad idea. No, it honestly isn't. I feel like that could be a very um, like niche thing to do as a photographer too. Like, hey, we like, you know how there's like the like wine and painting things that people can go to where you get wine and you get to like paint. Um, I feel like we could have oh, yeah, it like yeah. a wine and photo shoot, you know? I mean, that's a great idea. You know what? I might steal this, Sarah. This might be my whole new business plan. It's just adult amateurs and it's wine and photo shoot. I mean, it's a great idea. And then the close second was doing my wedding dress shots with Amanda or with Miranda. Amanda's (laughs) I'm sure she was there helping yeah she she was there she's like that dress is big but those were so much fun to be able to take pictures with the horses after yeah those were so absolutely beautiful I um don't have a wedding dress although I am married I eloped and did not wear like a true wedding dress and so when I saw those pictures I was like um I think I'm gonna buy a wedding dress to do pictures with my horse I didn't buy a wedding dress to get married to my husband but in true horse girl fashion, it actually sounds like more fun to do pictures with my horse in a wedding dress. Don't tell my husband, but I think my pictures of my horses were more fun. <laughs> I love I, him. I love I, him. But you know how men are with taking pictures. They're like, are we done yet? Exactly. I feel like so, they wouldn't even be surprised to hear us saying these things though. No, not at all. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, Sarah, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, why don't you just tell them like where people can connect with you? Your Instagram is not the best place. Yeah, I would say Instagram is probably the best place um, to connect. Um, so Oxford Oncology is my Instagram page. And then you can also see I've recently started doing uh, blog postings. So if you want to, you can look at my website. Um, that is basically Miranda spam. So all the pictures on my website are from Miranda. Um but you can go check out my website and check out my blog posts. I try to kind of like change those up, but otherwise just check out the page and message me if you want to chat ever. Perfect. I love it. I will link your Instagram. It's Oxers, the number two oncology, right? Yes. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes as well. And Sarah, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to chat. You too. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, I'm Cassidy Brooke, a full-time equine photographer with a passion for helping other photographers create the life of their dreams. When I abruptly quit my corporate job without any idea of what I was going to do, I suddenly found myself picking up a $400 camera, downloading a free app on my iPad, and taking photos of any horse I could get in front of my camera. That little hobby sparked a six-figure business, which allows me to live life on my terms. Now, I'm here to help you grow your photography business so that you can make your wildest dreams your reality. This is the Equine Photography Podcast.